Okay, hello, welcome back to the Gig CX Decoded podcast, where we talk all things customer service, we talk about technology, we talk about gig-based customer service, brought to you by Limitless. I'm your host, as always, Chris Dumpleton. I am the Chief Salvers Officer over at Limitless, and today we are joined by Kate Bradley Chernis, Chernis from De Furnace, as I've just been told, um, and Kate is the founder and CEO of Lately.ai. Uh, which is a lead gen social selling platform. I'm, I'm reading a script, Kate. So can you just do <laughs> this part? Uh, anyway, in fact, I'm not going to ask you to do it. But the one thing I'm really keen for you to expand on is you were a former rock and roll DJ, uh, an award winning radio producer. So you know, like like we're talking offline, I'm expecting big things for you. 25 <laughs> years broadcast communications, brand building. Give us a bit of a pricey on you, and you know, and tell us a bit more about lately. That'd be great. Yeah, well, my husband always says to me, like, why don't I get the nice voice? You know, because that's my 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 radio voice is a little warmer. Uh-huh, no. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I used to be a rock and roll DJ. Um, I was doing it up and down the eastern seaboard. This is when radio was mostly live, actually, and before the internet. So you couldn't like look people up. You know, you had to really yeah. just go by their voice and um it was it was great. I mean, I was really lucky. The kind of radio I was in was very artistic, and we would spend hours um, creating commercials that we thought were really entertaining, and just kind of being, you know, a little bit nutty. Oh, see, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really 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 fun. And then my my last gig was at XM, broadcasting to twenty million listeners a day. That was a startup back then. You know, I was I was there year three. Yeah, yeah. Um, hard to hard to believe, but it was wild. You know, the first day Tony Bennett walked by me, and uh, <laughs> this is before um, you know Google and its model of open offices hadn't existed yet. And so the, this was all open. And can you imagine there's like 200 radio stations all playing at once in this room, big, wow. huge room, you yeah. know? And it was just chaos. There was stuff hanging all over the walls. And, you know, it's like, it like a bunch of college kids. And we weren't in college at all. I mean, we were yeah, all yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it was like that. It was, you know, a bit of a, bit of a zoo. And, um, <laughs> and then, you know, they got, as always happens with startups, they get, it gets big and then the corporate comes in and they, make it all fun and they moved us we were when we started we were in the top floor of the building and they moved us to the basement <laughs> they moved the all the djs to the basement oh my, no yeah. windows. Any windows? <laughs> there were some way in way in the front of the room i remember but um you know and, and then that's when they started piping in oprah and derek jeter and like you know for, for all the famous people and not just the lowly old djs you know so uh so i i left that gig and somehow somehow got here <laughs> you need to say. tell us more about lately i mean um yeah. i was just you know, looking offline but give us a give us a bit of an intro yeah well my so my, my uber power chris was turning listeners into fans or customers right. into evangelists right and i um had written i was a fiction writing major major and i'd written hundreds of commercials in radio and so there was a parallel there for me um we were talking about you know how you couldn't look people up um I was really interested in the theater of the mind and there was a connection in writing I learned as well. Um, obviously when you read a book, you know, your, your imagination plays a role there. Mm-hmm. And I remember like my, one of my GMs calling me like, Hey, you were number one. This is impossible because AAA was the kind of radio I did the format, which is like 
20 or this is a long answer to question 20 or 21 in the market not not number one like country or rock would normally be and so we were never number one and he was like how what did you do how did you do this and I was like I don't know and um I started thinking about well what is what was I doing and I read um Daniel Levitin's book this is your brain on music and sort of learned about the neuroscience of music listening and Mm -hmm. and I ended up taking what I was doing translating it into writing and brought it to Walmart and got them 130% ROI year over year for three years doing what became the prototype for what is lately now. So what is lately now is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the question is um, this. So lately you learns any brand voice or individual yeah. voice and we're able to create a, a model that's uniquely yours that understands the patterns of when you write well what goes into that what are the ideas the phrases the sentence structures and then we're also able to learn what your unique target audience is on social marry those two together and this model learns in real time all the time and we apply it to long-form content like text audio or video so it could be a blog for example it could be mm-hmm an interview like we're doing today. Mm. It could also be a webinar, for example. And you run it through the model and the model's trying to find, okay, well, of from this podcast, what parts of the podcast meet the model? And it lifts them out into social posts. And over time, it'll start to write them in your voice so you don't have to make any edits. And then we'll clip up the podcast as well in all these places where it's highlighting like the quotes that meet the model. And so you get dozens of mini show promos in just a few seconds that are designed to get you super high engagement online well that sounds you you need to do a bit of name dropping for me who's your uh i saw actually on your board of advisors you got gary v on your gary yeah he's very very nice um also david mirman scott who wrote i don't know 13 books Uh, he's on the board of hubspot and and, uh he opens for tony robbins like you know, for all oh, of Tony's yeah. shows. Yeah, it's a great group. Um, Rob Steffens from Marvel Comics and Disney is, yeah. is on my cap table. And um, just Jason Calacanis, Joanne Wilson. And if you're a venture nerd, like, you know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know half of those. I'm going to have to look at them. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, well, so today we're just going to have, have a chat about, um, we're going to try and bridge the gap a little bit. So this is going to be a lot about sort of AI and a bit of technology. And and actually, one thing you've picked up on there is is um is kind of paramount to us, which is turning fans into evangelists, turning yeah. customers into ambassadors. And that's exactly what we're all about: getting customers to help answer other customers' inquiries. And you go to the ones that are already already customers, and you say, "Hey, thanks for being a customer. Do you want to do you want to become a brand ambassador? And do you want to help?" And you know, nine times out of ten, people say, "Yeah, of course, I'd like to do that because they're already." Uh, they're already a fan of the brand. And, um, you know, this is the thing I, I always find, one of my sort of anecdotes, well, anecdotes, but it's something I always say when I'm talking to companies, which is that the way customer service is kind of been structured is you nobody wants there to be any aftercare service. Mm. It's, a, it's a, you know, something that comes along with the territory. So you try and deal with it as efficiently as possible. And what that word means is as cheaply as possible, but still maintaining some form of, you know, decent customer service and I'm massively, you know, um, sure. yeah, but, but that's fundamentally what it's all about. But what that means, obviously you're pushing a lot of contacts into low cost labor markets, but also you're only able to afford to pay people um, minimum wages because the economics are not there and you're trying to not, mm. not to be any contacts, let alone there be contacts. So, 
what that means is we, you know, we, if you were to say to you say to a brand, right, go to your contact center and ask everyone to stop what they're doing and put their hand up if they've actually got the product or service that they're giving customer service on. And, and you know, again, nine times out of ten, people don't because they're just there <laughs> to do a job rather mm-hmm. than something that they, you know, they absolutely care about. So that's that's all what we're trying to tap into. There are there yeah. are fans out there. There are a dozen brands that I'm a fan of, and if someone asked me to become a thing i'd be like well i understand why you're asking me and if i've got the time and inclination i'll do it you know that's what that's what we're all about amazing so we're going to talk a bit more about um uh we're, we're going to keep this quite technology orientated but we, we uh we we are two humans none of this is generative AI. <laughs> we are going to talk about AI later on um <laughs> so let, let's just dive into yeah big broad topics to start with and, and let's work our way through so how should um, businesses integrate AI technology into customer experience based upon your your exposure to it? And what, what's your opinion on that? Mm, well, I mean, it's so funny. Everybody thinks that they know what generative AI is right now, <laughs> but they don't. So let's just start there. Yeah, um, David Merriman Scott, who we just talked about, um, mm. you guys should Google him. He wrote this book called Fanocracy, which is all about um, the Grateful Dead and how they were able to turn their their listeners into fans. The same idea that we're talking about here, right? He's the king of this. And um, so he wanted to sort of distill this um, and make and, and help people who are sort of trying to understand and research generative AI, the basics. So there's two questions that matter, which are whose data and whose math? Right. Those are the first two questions you want to think about when you're talking mm. about any kind of AI, really, but certainly generative AI. Now, with Lately, it's mm. your data. So we use your data only and we keep it 100% private and we use our math. Right? right. And so our math is pretty great. When I write a social post on LinkedIn, I get 86,000 views. And that's part of the secret sauce of the math of how, how we work. Right. Now, with um, ChatGPT and um, Meta and everybody else, G- mm. Google's G4, that's public data, right? Your data, yeah. like from a giant public data set, and it's generic math, it's open source math, right? And so the reason these things matter, and it doesn't really matter what you're using the generative mm. AI for, whether it's CX or accounting or HR or what, you know, whatever industry you're, whatever part of the industry you're in, um, the legal questions surrounding this is, is really what, what it comes mm. down to. So, for example, um, I think it was, I always forget if it was the Washington Post or the Wall Street Journal, which are two things that no one should confuse, but I do because of the W. Anyways, one of them had released this widget where you could literally type in any any uh, company, any URL, and see what percentage of data from that company that Google was using to feed G, its G4 data set. Wow. Right? I know, total eye opener. All right, that that really helped. It it broke because so many people were using it, <laughs> but like it was a real sales booster for us for a while, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you know the other kind of thing which is worth worth pointing out here um, is Harvard Business Review just released an article, and I believe the title is um, "Why AI Prompt Engineering Is Not the Future," and their argument. It's not even an argument. They did a several studies that show when humans and AI are used together, they mm. outperform AI alone two x to seven x every single time. Okay. Right. And so, like, that's another thing that we've been we built lately to 
um, enfold humans in the mix right, from the yeah, beginning, yeah. you know, ground up. So either, these are just questions you want to be asking. Like, is the AI I'm using, is it an afterthought? Because everybody's just putting a dollop of AI on top of their platforms now and being like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're hip. Now. AI, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's something, I mean, it's a very powerful tool to be wielding here, right? I think so those are the, those are the questions to think about sort of even before you're considering, you know, applications um, like, and I mean, I have a lot of other questions I can, you know, talk to you guys about, but, um, you know, the copyright issue is certainly one as well. That's why Sarah Silverman yeah. is, is suing, you know? So again, that's a risk that you take when you're using these big public data sets. Yeah. Um, you know, we have nine years of our own machine learning and natural language processing, which ironically, Chris, is like, it's why we're getting green lit by, uh, legal and IT teams from our customers because right. you know we're not in this mess. But it's also why investors look at me and like I smell because they're like, well, you're nine <laughs> years old, you're not a young startup anymore, you know. And you're like, oh, I can't win. <laughs> but data, data security. So that's an interesting one. So is that is that because the you know so whose data, whose math? But if the data is being processed by companies. Is there risk the yes, huge you're exposing things and things are going through, you know, machines that aren't on premises, they're in other, you know, in, in the cloud. And yeah, where's that, where that data going? Where's it being processed? It's going out to the public use case, right? right? Yeah. So, like, just by using just by using your um, pretty much every GAI on the market is is yeah. a layer on top of OpenAI or Meta right. or G4, right? I mean. Yeah. Everybody is, even Jasper, for example, right? So just by using them, I'm like literally putting my my data out into the world mm. to be used for something else. So that's a huge problem, right? And then you can't copyright it. Also, yeah, another it problem. Might... So the privacy issues. I mean, this is a certainly a risk, um, and no one's really solving it yet. I mean. And it, it probably is that because of the pace of deployment when it became mainstream and the legislation and the ability to to, to try and legislate it is is it can't catch up yet and they're still trying to figure out how. Yeah, I mean, I it I, it reminds me like here in the states, like companies like the or or like organizations like the IRS, for example. Like last time I was working with the IRS um, through an, through a project I was involved in, they couldn't use like Google Docs. Like there's companies like that who ban the use oh, of yeah. Docs, right? Yeah. For example, because they're worried about who knows safe, safety concerns. So it probably that's that's I think where we are now, and probably where we will go. It's sort of it's like companies that ban mm. social media or Facebook. You know, you're like, well, okay, that's kind of silly. People are going to find a way around it anyways. Um, for us, we actually we do have an integration with ChatGPT. We were friends with them back in we were in their closed beta like four years ago. Um, but we it's not core to the project so we can switch it off or on so we have companies who have banned ChatGPT, and so for them we right. just turn it off okay i didn't realize that people banning it already that's interesting yeah lots of large companies especially because they don't know how to to your point they just haven't figured out like how to address it you know there's too it's too much of a wild west kind of right now and um we'll see i mean mm. You know, the other thing that on the generic thing as well is like, it's like everybody just got cliff notes. Do you guys remember cliff notes at all? I <laughs> so when I was in school. Um, so 
Is this, sorry, is this a U.S. thing or is this like a? Uh, this no, global? I think it's global. But it, but um, no, so, so they would they would write summaries of of all the classic books that we had to read in school. You know, Wuthering Heights, Moby Dicks, whatever. Uh -huh. And there were yellow and black, big black stripes on the on these little tiny books. And it was a summary, and that had questions that your teacher would probably ask you with essays written out already, right? So everybody would lift it. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is, no, it's cheating. We're all cheating, you know. Yeah, right. The teacher read it too and could tell right away. And so the whole world is sort of going like right now with this with, with ChatGPT as well, because you know, if you and I put in the same prompts, we get at the same thing. Uh-huh. Right? Because there's no yeah. performance learning loop tied to the the results in any ways. I had no idea, like, I mean, me, this is awesome. Write me a th thousand word blog on you know, best practices in the CX. Great. Thank you for so much. But there's no understanding if this is the content that my um, audience will want to read or if it will actually get me the conversions I'm looking for or do anything for me because there's, it's just, it's out of the blue. Right. Mm. So yeah, mm. those are problems. <laughs> You've sparked up a few questions that I've got for you now. So what one was, um, let me throw this one at you then. So the, when we um so we, you know six months ago when when chat gpt kind of first you know hit the news if you like i mean obviously ai has been around for a long time it's often been in the background just sort of helping augment and i've got i do have a question in a minute about the relationship between ai and, and people but what, what would you say are the based upon your experience the pitfalls or the potential benefits of saying right well we don't need frontline customer service agents anymore because we can just deploy very intelligent AI engines sat behind chatbots that can do excellent natural language understanding and deliver very real world kind of opinions. And therefore we can, we can get rid of a gazillion frontline customer service people. Mm. Well, certainly all automation changes the way people work. I mean, that's to be expected, you know, um, the, what we like to say, what a lot of people like to say, it's not that, you're going to lose your job it's the, because of ai it's because you're not using ai as part of your job that you're yeah. going to lose your job right so i mean that harvard business review study mm. is a great one to point to but another one is this um nina betty crocker the brand right it sounds yeah. good yeah nina yeah. betty crocker Betty Crocker. So Betty yeah. Crocker invented cake in the box, like Duncan Hines, Betty Crocker, uh, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, and back in the day, and this is in the mid fifties, um, it all you had to do was add water, right? And the housewives who they were marketing this to thought it was too weird. They had no connection. They didn't feel like they'd made a cake or baked anything. And mm. so Betty Crocker took the powdered eggs out of the box. So now you just <laughs> had to add an egg and that was the slogan just add an egg and sales skyrocketed that's right? very interesting yeah so when the human is in the mix it is better not just ethically right but the results as well and we see that too you know so like for example at lately we only use lately to market lately and nothing else and we have a human component woven through the entire process and i have a 98% trial to sale conversion because it's so good 98 so, ridiculous mm -hmm. numbers mm -hmm. that's the difference um, between great yeah. results and galactic results uh -huh. and that's what you want when you have humans and ai collaborating together so tell me a bit more about 
that because the like you said i mean you picked some i saw a slogan the other day which was you know like i think you just mentioned which is you know you're not you're not going to lose your job to ai but you might lose it to someone who is using it uh in the in the right application so it sounds like the best uh recipe using betty crocker's analogy at the moment is a bit of both um how how overt are you to people that ai is being used is it something you want to you don't tell anybody about i'm just, and i'm thinking about it in the contact center world customer mm. service world or is it something you you openly talk about we've got this to help people get your answer more quickly and or they're going to you know, they're going to add the egg into that you know analogy right yeah i mean we we work with agencies who have this problem cuz uh-huh. they you know want to be able to use our product for example to sell it back to their customer as a different line of business um that's a good question i i mean in that context, I would totally say, don't tell anybody, just like take yeah. the credit for it. I mean, just like you would for any kind of automation or technology that you use all the time, right? I mean, for example, it's, well, there's don't telling and then there's lying. Like if you come over to my house for dinner, the chances that I made anything from scratch on the table are pretty much zero. I probably pulled together a Betty Crocker cake, right? Yeah, not even the cake. I mean, you know, so like (laughs) I love pulling together different things from places I love. And then my my gift is how I present them. I love the presentation. Right. So that's what I do. But I'm not running around telling everybody like I didn't make this meal. I'm not also not saying I made the meal. You know, like if somebody asks you, you you know, you tell them. Yeah, they tell them. You're you're offering it. You know, I'm not saying, yeah, okay. I'm not pulling it off as my own. I mean, I don't know. This is a legal question. Someone's going to probably write in and be like, oh, my God, she's so unethical. Um, but but uh, it's, again, just think of it as, as all technology, right? I mean, if, again, to cooking, like, I can microwave the soup, right? Are yeah. you going to, is, is that bad if I microwaved it versus if I, like, put it on the stove? Or, yeah. you know, I mean, we're all fine with that, right? It's just technology um, doing it faster for me. I did. I I didn't need to spend ten minutes. No one's going to judge me. It's still hot quickly. Right? It still tastes the same. Hopefully. Yeah, still still tastes the same. We just get there faster and better. I mean, that's the. I'm I'm really enjoying the um the, the linkage to food into all of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm hungry. Uh, um, I know. <laughs> and, uh, and there's some amazing analogies in all of this, which I'm going to absolutely coin, and I'm definitely going to write a blog about yeah. how the betty crocker just had an egg concept it's so great right i love really that good. one that's really got my brain going already about the the it, connection like you know that that like you say that people want to feel like they're doing something and, and if they completely hand it over to something else then you lose your connection and you there's no soul in anything so but you, right. how far down the line i mean you could get someone doing doing everything or there's that there's obviously that the, the the sweet or the secret sauce if you like the balance between the two which is you know if i put an egg in this i feel like i've really made it isn't it just, funny it's just, just the dry ingredients been done for me sort of thing yeah and then, you know uh, charlie chaplin had that movie modern times and this this was a commentary on the same thing because it was, it was about um well not about but in part about the assembly line for, for the automobiles and like that there was this mm. terrible feeling from the the workers that they didn't make anything because they didn't see it made at the end. There was no, right. That's like one of the things I love about startup software so much is like we make changes 
almost daily. Mm. We can see mm. the results of our changes. You know, there's this feeling of pride in your work, right? Mm. Um, it ties back into music, by the way, also. So remember the imagination I was saying. So, so there's that um, famous line, which is radio is the theater of the mind and television is the theater of the mind less. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're like a couch potato. It washes over you, you know, right? There's, you're a vegetable um, and there's no ownership. There's no action you have to take for the story to unfold. Whereas if you're listening or if you're reading, your mind, like a an extra character, like literally has to fill in some blanks here for yeah. the story, for the journey to, yeah. to unfold in the way it's supposed to. And a good, this is what had occurred to me, a good, um, great DJ or a great author knows this and allows space for mm. the, and it's a mystery thing. I can't control this. I just have to know that it's there, but I have to give you enough guidelines to get to the end mm. with me or you know, go to the next segue or whatever it is. And then um, the other thing I had learned, this is that from that, this is your brain on music. Oh, and by the way, imagination taps into nostalgia, memory, and emotion as it's activating your brain. So then with when you're listening to music, Chris, check this out. You're, um, oh, I just said my phrase that I told everybody never to ever say, which is check this out. Shame <laughs> on me. <laughs> it's like my marketing rule number one don't say that. Okay, so when your brain listens to a new song, Chris, it has to instantly access every other song you've ever heard before. And it's trying to find familiar touch points so it knows where to index the new song in the library of your brain. And guess what? It pulls on nostalgia and memory and emotion also to try to do that. And this happens really instantly. So it occurred to me that, all right, well, my voice, your voice, like a song has a frequency to it there's sound to it mm. and if i'm reading a text or an email or a slack message that you wrote to me i'm going to hear your voice in my mm. head right. so if you're clever you're going to be tapping into nostalgia and memory and emotion these are all the things that need to be in place for trust to happen and trust is why we buy right so we built lately to do this for you that's why the results are so galactic because it's not just make, as you know, it's not just make the sale, it's make the megaphone, kick off the flywheel. Yeah. Right? Uh, I've already, and we're not at the end of the show, I've already written more notes on this podcast than I have on <laughs> any, any of the others. Uh, I've got loads of different things I'm uh, going to look at. Awesome. <laughs> right. So, uh, where are we? Right. A couple more questions. So, let's. So we we talked about how it can work really well. Uh, where, where where do you see it failing? I think I know where you'll go, but I'm interested in your perspective. And if you've got a food slant to this, then feel free to wheel it out. But where do you <laughs> see Gen AI, Gen AI failing in in terms uh, of providing customer support? Yeah, I mean, it's the fakeness which are already there. I mean, we can all smell like the cliff notes. You can smell it, right? We yeah. all know that we've already had this experience even of somebody reading a script right we all you all know when that's happened with a chatbot yeah. um or even with a live customer service person it's just infuriating um you know a let me be very clear for everybody sentient machine learning does not exist does not exist the definition of artificial intelligence that we had, we have, was made up by Hollywood. It's not actually what it is. 
So there's an expectation for magic, which I'm sorry to also say doesn't exist. And I reread Harry Potter every summer, but like, you know, you too. <laughs> yeah. um, and so our expectations of what AI can do are radically misaligned, number one, so that this fakeness, this roboticness is just going to be part of it. It can't be let on its own. It just can't mm. be. Right. That's why prompt engineering is becoming such a skill right now mm. for this exact reason. Right. You know? um, so that I think that's just the first thing is like the, it's so funny to me how lazy people are. They're so lazy. Like they are choosing contents for content's sake versus content for effectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you're like, guys, I mean. <laughs> thanks now everybody can vomit more garbage into the world <laughs> ever than ever before and guess what as marketers which i am our problem is the same as it's ever been which is how do i cut through the noise and you yeah. cut through the noise by being we're doing it right now chris we're doing we're being real we're real i'm being right. real yeah, yeah we're I mean, jumping all over the place there, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a script i'm <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, but we're both ad-libbing a little bit as we go along, so it's good. Yeah, uh, that's all I do. I can't even think in a straight line. I mean, and I certainly don't talk in a straight line. You know, <laughs> there's no no logic that AI could could possibly you know figure out here. And, and another thing, while I'm on this, so like I was I was um, I was just at Inbound, which is like HubSpot's big party, right. um, talking about this. Um, it's data patterns, right? That's those are the things that have to be in place for AI to work properly. Mm. Now, if you know that it's data and patterns, the patterns are able to predict, which is another misnomer. Nobody is like looking at the crystal ball telling you who's going to win the World Series. That's not, mm. it's not even predicting at all. It's literally just saying based on this from pr previous information, a lot of previous information I've had before, the next most likely thing to happen should be this, mm -hmm. right? We've all had the experience where you type in your phone, like, you yeah. know, something, and then Siri picks three words that she's showing to you because mm -hmm. she's had enough data and patterns that after you've written this word, the most likely word someone else is going to type is these words, mm -hmm. right? right? She's not smart. That's not, mm -hmm. I mean, she's not thinking of this like pulling it out of the hat. It doesn't come from thin air. You yeah. know? It has to be that tr that decision tree. If this, then this. You know? And it's just machine learning. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. And like for, for it to work on its own, so like to avoid the fakeness or whatever, think of all the variations and instances that would have to be, and multiple so, mm. because only works on like huge amounts of data. Right, in order to find the patterns, because otherwise the error is too great, right? So, like for us, we need ten thousand pieces of um, content for like with this one th this one instance to happen. Mm -hmm. Like we know that's the number ten. That's just for one thing that I'm doing, you know. Ten thousand words or ten thousand like uh, it can be any pieces of content really. Right. Um, but like you know, have you seen the HBO show Silicon Valley? No. It's great. Um, if you are a startup, you should watch it. It's my life. It's hilarious. It's Mike Judge, you know, the the um the guy oh, who did all the I'm sure I've seen it. Yeah. So so yeah. there's an episode where Jin Yang produces an app that's like the Shazam for food, right? Yes. He can hold it up to a hot dog and it says hot dog. But if he holds it up to something else, all it says is not hot yeah. dog. 
because he only had <laughs> enough data of pictures of hot dogs if he threw it, right? So like if he holds it up to an so if he holds it up to a pizza, just think about all the instances of pizza he would have to have fed into this thing. So like the different shapes, round, square, triangle, thick, thin, red, white, mm -hmm. and all the different flavors. So there's, you know, probably millions of different combinations mm. for to you start to recognize this thing as a pizza. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still hungry. So that's, I'm, yeah. I'm... <laughs> I did it again. What's interesting there is that you that what AI is doing is based upon the machine learning is able to identify what if something is something, but then if it isn't, it will just say it's not. Not that's what else it might be, unless that's it has right. thought that. So, in the world of, so this is going to get in, but maybe into the. So if, if we think about sort of emotions and what the role that AI can play there, and it, it, AI may be able to say things like, I'm sorry you've had that bad experience because it's, uh, it's, it's identified that you have some form of distress. And, oh, okay, distress means I must say this thing. But where, where do you perceive or where do you understand that AI could get to in terms of being, you know, feeling very natural in terms of its motion. Things like empathy, where you can actually, where it feels more, far more realistic. Do you think it will get there? Do you think it's already there? What should be there? It just needs all the data to get there. I mean, like, right. It's, and these are the program res responses that, I mean, it, it depends on the culture. It depends on the age of people, the language, all mm -hmm. these things, you know, that might seem something normal or natural to say, in America to a 20 something may not be the same thing as you would say to Albania to a 75 year old person, <laughs> right. you know, right. Yeah. Culturally might not be appropriate. Um, but as long as you have enough instances and data from it to learn from, then it, it can, but just remember in, in that you said empathy, mm. AI will never feel empathy. It's impossible. Mm. <laughs> it can only replicate what we are projecting upon it theater of the mind imagination to, to be empathy right like i like to think of the examples i find are so valuable this is not food um no. but i i like to think of r2d2 all the time because you know we like they programmed him to sound like a dog basically right like like the best friend in the world you know mm -hmm. and all of his little sad beeps or whatever they are like those are it's it's our projection of what we want him to be that makes him feel real. Mm, yeah. And even that he's a he, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <maybe so>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Do, do robots, do, do those robots have gender? That's another, well, that, uh, no, we, we are getting... well C-3PO doesn't, I mean, <laughs> yeah, visibly. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We're all, we're all imagining... We're all imagining that now. You know, we are, we've gone way off topic, but this is here, really well. But you can think of it here. Here you go. So the executive function of the brain is what yeah. we all use to make decisions every day, right? So this is yeah. the part of your brain that literally takes in everything in front of it and lets and gives you the information and synthesizes, you know, whatever it means, so that you can do the next thing you're going to be doing, right? So in this moment, right now, my brain just made like a million decisions without even me knowing it. Mm. Right. I mean, I know it, but it's happening automatically. Hmm. So if you think of like this is the you asked about a pitfall, the number one pitfall that we make as humans is not giving ourselves credit for the actual magic that happens hmm. every 
second, every millisecond of what we do, right? right. I mean, I think right. about my and my friend. So my friend Jeff um, takes a commuter bus. Used to take a commuter bus to New York City from where we live every day, and he would always sit in the front seat. And one day, going on the highway. On the other side of the highway, a car was driving that I had recently met in the shop and the wheels were not very tight for some mistake. And it flew off into the other oncoming traffic, crashed through the bus window, bus driver ducked and the wheel, like a cannon, hit my friend Jeff in the head. Okay. He did not die. Amazingly, he's a mm -hmm. miracle. And you wouldn't know that there's anything wrong if you met him at all, because he's a true miracle person. He can drive and talk and eat and do all the things, except his executive function is broken. And so the effort that it takes him to have a conversation, he's mm. exhausted in 20 minutes. Right. He's got to lay down because that's, that's how much information energy, we're taking yeah. in, right? Which mm. is how much information any piece of AI would need. I mean, this is what it takes, right? This yeah. is the, the data and the patterns that it takes for our miracle brains to work, you know? Um, so calm down is what I think we need to all do a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a beautiful blend in there. I completely believe around, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a, do you tell people that you've bought the food in, in terms of, do you, do you tell people you're providing a lot of the service through AI? Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but the, the thing I think that you've, clearly feel passionate around as well is I hate it when there is I, I feel like in some way you're being sort of cheated and I don't want to say like inauthentic but like when you just when you feel like you're on some form of treadmill like you're going for emotion and people are saying the things and you're like you don't believe it you know you're not relating to this and it's just like just shoot me now and, and like but the way I've been trying to cancel I've been trying to cancel a um a broadband service in my house so we've I've gone live with a new provider I want to cancel the old one. Every time I try and talk to them, I'm shoved onto a Ugh. digital channel, and they, and they keep saying, "I've got a few questions for you. Is that, does that sound good?" And then, <laughs> and then by the time I get to the answer, it's asynchronous. I'm like, "Yeah, I'm ready for this question." And then, they, and then it goes again. Another one comes in, and then I'm just like, "I'm, I'm, I'm not, God. I'm not happy with you wanting to ask me questions. I've moved for these reasons now. Cancel my service, and they still haven't cancelled it. And, and oh they my keep God. asking me." They keep asking, this is a week now. They keep saying, we've got some questions for you. Is it all good? Because I know what they want to do. They want to try and retain me. Sure. Um, but they can't retain me because they don't, they don't offer the product that, that is, is available here. It's so annoying. Just, it really is annoying. So anyway. And so illegal, maybe, also. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like it must be. But, well, I I suggest you social media them, tweet at them, or X at them, you know, embarrass them publicly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I'm going to give them another few days, and then uh, I'll start doing capitals in my responses and see if they can detect the fact that big <laughs> or shouting letters and that means emotion and see what they can do with there. But anyway. Right, well, this has been fascinating. I have made lots of notes. I'm going to write a blog about the Betty Crock cakes. Um, <laughs> Send it I'm to me, going please. to talk about the difference between data and math and when we when you use it for in the outside world there is you know public data and open source math things like that i think it's, it's brilliant and i'm going to start doing more around nostalgia memory and emotion so i've, I've made some great notes here this is fantastic <laughs> thank you for your uh thank you for your lesson class dismissed awesome <laughs> yeah, class dismissed. Brilliant. It's, been, it's been really good and i think you know the the uh 
the 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 wash that hit the industry when AI land, even though AI has been around for a very long time, because as you know, as you know very well, <clears throat> nine years in at least, the um it was it was thought it was just going to completely wipe the floor and take away everything. But really, it comes down to how <clears throat> how it's applied, when you when it's used, how overt you make it, how it can enable people to do the job better, but still maintain that <clears throat> human connection, which is what we're all thriving for. And people can smell it, as you said, when it's not human. And if it feels like it's scripted, then you just switch off. I mean, people don't buy off people they don't trust. You don't get the emotion. You don't get any memory. There's no nostalgia. And therefore, why am I on this ride with you? So <laughs> that's hopefully what we're all about, because that's pretty much what we're trying to do. Just connect people with people, let them talk, give them, yes, the guardrails of scripts, like, you know, say these things, don't say these things, but have your conversation away you go and and we we hope that's a better place well but that's been absolutely fascinating kate where, where do people find you for uh to hear more about your um food and allergies <laughs> thank you so much chris <laughs> <laughs> um but get me at www.lately.ai of course <laughs> well i'm gonna uh yeah i'm gonna drop your line up. I, I do genuinely want to learn more about lately.ai because i think there's some good stuff for, for our business but um it's been lovely thank talking you. to you and uh enjoy your meal when you get to it i'm gonna go and have mine now because i'm now absolutely famished from <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank, you. thank you bye